God's Word today. Uh, three passages. We start off very early in the Bible, the third chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 3. Things are, things are going really good for a short while in the Garden of Eden. And now we see uh, the enemy, Satan, coming to Adam and Eve. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We go to our second reading now. This is from Romans chapter 8, uh, the words of the Apostle Paul uh, talking about, yeah, the, the present evil that we face in this world, but also uh, the hope that we have uh, in Christ. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And finally, our third reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, 
It will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. We're going to continue with, uh, with a reading together as we continue to read through uh, the catechism. We've got two little phrases from the Lord's Prayer today. That's going to be our theme. Uh, so we'll read these together. Lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. The seventh petition, but deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition, in summary, that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Every so often in life, you have an experience that uh, just really, uh, really shakes things up, really kind of rocks you. It might be that just something really crazy has happened in your life. Maybe just something uh, brand new is taking place. Maybe you're, you're getting new information and you're processing it, but it just something really shakes up your life. And I think um, one of the, the best responses to such a situation is just to say the line, things just got real. Have you guys ever had a things just got real moment in your life? Yeah, of course you have. You're all older than a few days old. Things just got real. You know, it might happen, I've, a few different examples perhaps. Uh, maybe you're, uh, you know, expectant parents and you're, you've been theoretically preparing for that baby to come and maybe you think it's going to go a certain way and then the baby arrives and it's like way over here, like the level of craziness than what you expected and you're just trying to deal and you think things just got real. Maybe you started at a new school or started at a new job and you know, it's, it's always fun, like you, you, you learn like maybe the way things are supposed to be and then you get you know, boots on the ground and how it's going and you're like, this is not what I was prepared for. Things just got real, you know. I, I think I say some other phrases too sometimes, like, you know, this is not a drill, you know. What, what am I gonna do? You know, things just got real. Things jumped up a notch. How are we gonna handle these things? Happens in life sometimes. And I... I want to go deeper on this concept, um, but it, 
I, I really think there are some things as we consider, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There are some things packed into that small section of the Lord's Prayer that I think we're going to realize th- things uh, just got real when we think about the implications of, of what that prayer is referring to. So when you guys pray um, that prayer in particular, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, what are you thinking of? You're allowed, I'm going to take a break from talking for a second. You, you guys are allowed to, to respond. What are you guys thinking of? Emerson, you got something? God, thinking of God protecting us. That's very good. That's not, you didn't read my mind exactly with the answer that I was looking for, but that's probably even a better answer. So maybe you should take over. Um, anyone else? What do you think of? Yeah. Okay, so you're thinking about like when you're in the middle of the temptation, you know, you're praying like, well, what, um, which, which thing on my shoulder am I going to listen to, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Maybe, maybe a, a who, who you're thinking of instead of a what? Yeah. Whatever sin you've been struggling with. Whatever sin you've been struggling with that week, right? What's, or even that moment. Or that moment, yeah. What's the sin of the day for me? Yeah. Um, these, are all, these are all good answers. I, I was the... the the answer I was really looking for was just the devil, right? Who are you thinking? The source of these things and the, the one that you need help from against him. The devil. Now, I have to admit, um, to confess something to you guys, whenever I talk about the devil, I get a little self-conscious because I am very aware that uh, for many people, I would say if you just think about the entire world, the majority of people probably don't believe that there is a devil anymore. It's like, oh, pastor's talking about the devil again today. Isn't that quaint? Isn't, isn't that cute that we're talking about fairy tales or something today, right? Um, even, I, I, I've read some uh, recent polls even among church-going Christians that there's a good chunk. Many people don't believe that there is a literal devil anymore you know so I, I get I get a little bit am I, am, I, am I blushing a little bit talking about the devil like are you guys judging me for talking about the devil there's a famous quote though I know it's from a movie at least but I'm not sure the exact origin the quote is whoa we went um, there we go the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world that he didn't exist have you guys heard that one before Man, if Satan can convince you that he doesn't exist, then he can be extra sneaky in your life. You won't even see him coming. Now, the scriptures, though, are full of references about Satan. Um, All over the place, God is warning us about Satan being real, a real active part of your life. We we read... um, about the, the, the very beginning, Satan, he was an angel. And uh, what a fall he had, you know, going to war against God in heaven. He wanted to be God. Um, he failed, and he got banished. And, but now he's, he's still, he's trying to take as many people with him as he can. So we see that right away in the book of Genesis chapter 3. We read this earlier. 
tempting Adam and Eve to fall into the same sin that he fell into, wanting to be their own God. Okay? Then we see him, we read this just a minute ago, in the Gospel of Luke. He, he comes against the Son of God. He comes against Jesus in the wilderness, trying to tempt him away from his path to save the world. Satan's all over the place in the rest of Scripture. Paul tells us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Peter tells us to be sober-minded and watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. John reports to us in Revelation how eventually that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, uh, he's going to be forever condemned eventually and not allowed to affect God's people anymore. Praise God, we look forward to that day. Martin Luther, good old Martin Luther, wouldn't stop talking about the devil all over the place. The devil this and the devil that. You know, he's like responsible for everything that bad that befalls us. It is not pleasant to think about these things, is it? It's not the most fun thing to think about. Oh, the spiritual warfare is going on all around me. I'm kind of in the middle between God and Satan fighting over my soul. This is not the kind of thing I like to think about as I'm falling asleep at night. But I find as I get older, it's best to be aware of true things. It's best to be aware of what's really going on. And so as you see up there on the screen, things get real when you realize the devil is real. Things just got real. Now you might think, yeah, it was a simpler time, Pastor, five minutes ago before you said all those things. Back when I maybe there was, thought there was a chance that the devil was just an invention by parents and pastors to try to make people behave better or something like that. Just a, a villain uh, in cartoons or something. But God has consistently warned people from generation to generation through the biblical authors that Satan is a real and present threat. And so in keeping with that great tradition, I, as your pastor, am passing on that same warning to you today that Satan is real, he is active, and he is a threat. Things get real when you realize this. Satan is real, and his, his primary goal is to destroy your faith. That is what his aim is. It is to destroy your faith. And that is the worst thing that can happen to you, by the way. That makes sense, right? The worst thing that can happen to you is that your faith in God would be destroyed. Now, we could, um, I could get like a, a board and we could put on like a hundred other things that are really bad that could and maybe have happened to you already in your life. Plenty of things between Satan and the world and our sinful nature, you know, that, that can that can really plague us and cause us to suffer and worry about. But the worst thing is that your faith in God would be destroyed. Um, he's trying, that's Satan's aim, is for you and I uh, to end up in hell, separated from God for all eternity. This is a really fun sermon so far, isn't it? You're like, why did I come today again? Kind of makes you want to pray more, doesn't it? Kind of makes me want to pray 
louder and with more passion and with more regularity, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's almost like that. Lord's Prayer is something worth saying. It's almost like it's a weapon that God has given to us in the battle against Satan. So I, I want to I linger here for a minute um, and just think about this, this prayer about lead us not into temptation. So I think it can get confusing sometimes. You're, you're thinking, okay, I'm praying to God, lead us not into temptation. It's like, wait, is, is God going to tempt me unless I ask him not to? I, I, used to, I thought that when I was younger, at least. Maybe, maybe none of you ever thought that. Uh, but it kind of, you know, the phrasing is a little bit interesting. It's like, wait a minute, should I, do I have to read the fine print and like check a box to opt out of temptation? Otherwise, God's going to tempt me or something? No, that's not the way, that's not the way it works. There's a, there's a big difference between tempting and testing, though. Big difference. Satan does one and God does the other. Uh, so what's the difference between temptation and testing? The, well, the goal, the end goal is very, very different. The goal of temptation is to destroy your faith. That's not a shocker to us, I, I don't think. But Satan, whether he does it very quickly or whether he does it very slowly and surely over time, his goal is to destroy your faith by tempting you. He will tempt you into the particular sins that you struggle with. He will tempt you um, to think, that you don't need another God, you've got all the God that you need you know, right inside you. You can be your own God. That's, the, that's what tripped him up. That's, what, that's how we got Adam and Eve too. That's what we're predisposed to. We want to be our own God. Satan taps into that pretty easily. He's trying to destroy our faith. But the goal of testing is actually to strengthen your faith. And this, this is what God does. God works to test your faith so that it will grow stronger, so that it will endure throughout the very worst that Satan can throw at you. And we see this in, in the scriptures. You know, we see God testing certain people. A famous one that we think of is, is Abraham. You know, God commands him to sacrifice his only son Isaac, and Abraham is willing, and then, you know, it, it, it's just a test of his faith. We see this like with uh, you know, King David. Well, before he's a king, um, God says, go fight that giant over there. <laughs> There's a test of, of David's faith. We see this with Paul. You know, he sends him out from city to city to go preach the gospel, and he's getting beaten up, and he's getting imprisoned, and he's getting rejected, and that's a, that's a testing of his faith. Um, it's interesting to think, you know, so I think of some of uh, my closest relationships in life are ones where like, I've been through some stuff together with that person. You know, it's like it's been uh, battle-tested, right? And you come out stronger on the other side sometimes. Same with God, right? When you go through all this, all, all this uh, you know, these struggles with your life as a Christian, facing all kinds of things, and you rely upon him more and more through these things. You know, God is testing your faith, and he is making it so that you will endure. You will pass through the fire, and that you will keep clinging to him through thick and thin. That's the goal when God tests your faith, that you will go stronger, that you will cling to him more tightly all the way through life, all the way into eternity. Tempting versus testing. Lead us not into temptation. Uh, it's a great prayer, don't get me wrong. Um, but 
How can that be your only prayer? You you can't stop there. Lead us not into temptation when you realize that Satan, you know, Jesus calls him the prince of this world, right? When you know how active he is, when you know how sneaky and how how, uh, creative and persistent he is, you got to say, yeah, prayer is something bigger. So when you realize that Satan is real, when you realize this world's not going to get any better, then you follow up that lead us on to temptation prayer with what I would say is a bigger one, deliver us from evil. These prayers are tied together. You cannot separate them. They are so linked together. It, it, is, it is interesting, kind of a strange phenomenon. I know for me personally, at least, when I, the more that I'm aware of the work of Satan in my life, um, the, the, the closer I am to God. Because I'm like, Things just got real. Satan is acting on me. I need God more. So it actually drives me closer to God. I seek refuge in the power and the protection that God offers. Because I know I can't do anything to stand up against Satan on my own. It almost, almost in a way, backfires on Satan because he's driving us closer. That's the way it's meant to be, at least. Drive us closer to God to make use of the gifts that God has given us in the fight against temptation. And so it, it makes me think how um, the things that we learn about God, you know, they, they get so real when things get real on the Satan temptation front. All the things that we learn as kids, you know, it's like, oh, these aren't just nice little Bible stories with good moral teaching or something. You know, the stuff that we continue to learn as adults is like, oh, it's not just like abstract stuff that doesn't apply to my life. This stuff is is like boots on the ground battlefield instructions for us for how God is going to protect us against Satan. So the things that we learn all of our lives from the word of God, it's so important to equip us in this battle that we have. And so that's why why we're reading through the teachings of Luther's small catechism here during Lent. It's not just abstract book knowledge for us It's relevant for when things get real as a Christian here in this life. The Lord's Prayer is one of those things. Uh, It is is real. And uh, we have a kind of an interesting relationship with it sometimes. Um, Have you guys ever had the experience where you've driven home and you've pulled into the, the driveway and you think, I don't remember driving home. Anyone? Yeah, this happens to me more than I care to admit. Like, did I use my turn signal? You know, um, I have the same experience with the Lord's Prayer sometimes. Started off, Our Father, I'm already saying amen. Did I say all the words? You know, because we, we say it regularly, and we go on autopilot without even realizing it. Uh, you know, some of us, you know, we say it at least once a week. Some of us, we say it maybe every day in our homes. Um, we just kind of race through the words. But, but if you really stop and pay attention to the words of the Lord's Prayer, this is, this is a rich, big, um, intense prayer that we're praying. It's a lot. Of, it's filled with drama. You know, we're praying things like, Thy kingdom come. What does that mean? I'm praying for the kingdom of God to invade this world. I'm praying for God to forgive my sins. That's, that's not nothing. That's not some little quiet prayer. Forgive my sins. 
I'm praying for him to deliver me from evil. This is a huge, dramatic, intense, you know, big, bold prayer that we're saying. So it would, it would do us well to, you know, try to be a little bit more aware of, of this amazing gift that our Lord Jesus has given to us to pray. And, uh, and recently I was, I was having some fun. I was uh, thinking about that. Okay, so when we pray, specifically deliver us from evil. What are God's options when it comes to answering that prayer? I, I came up, my brain can only come up with three options that God has to answer that prayer. Now, I don't want to limit God. So here on my, on my slide, I have, there are at least three ways. Because God can come up with options that I can't think of. But there are at least three ways God could answer the prayer, deliver us from evil. The first one is, he can rescue us from whatever evil is currently threatening us. Yeah, we could probably all give some testimonies about how he's done that before, how he's answered our prayers. We love that. That's like the urgent prayer, right? I'm in the middle of this. Deliver me from evil. The second one jumps up a notch, though. He could also remove us from all evil threats by taking us to himself upon our death. Have you thought about that shade of meaning when, you've, when you're praying the Lord's Prayer before? And what about the third one? He can return in glory on the last day and put an end to all evil. This is what we're praying. These are the options. Basically, we're praying either for God, you know, to, to end, end my time on this earth because I'm, I'm harassed by evil all the time. Take me to be with you. Or I'm praying for Jesus to come back and end the world, you know. This is the thing that we're praying, almost without realizing it sometimes. It is a huge prayer, and it is worth praying again and again and again. And you think, wow, my prayer life just got real, didn't it? This is intense. But it's amazing for us to, to sit back and think, okay, I am, I am scared by what faces me from the outside, the threats from the outside. I'm, I'm afraid of the threat from the inside, my own sinful nature, but I am comforted to know that the one I'm praying to, the one I'm saying deliver us from evil toward, he is the one who has already faced evil. He has faced the evil one and he has won the victory for us. This is the one to whom we're praying. And it makes us want to pray even more, doesn't it? So it, it encourages us. Because we know Jesus, we read this earlier, you know, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, and Satan, you know, he always wants, he wants to, to uh, get all sons and daughters of God to stray away, to give in to, te to temptation. Um, so it makes sense that he would try his hardest against the Son of God, Jesus who came to save the world, right? So he, three times, Satan, the great deceiver, actually tries to tempt him with, with God's own word. Twists it a little bit, right? So deceptive, so sneaky. And then Jesus, what does Jesus do? Fires right back with God's word, God's pure word. Uh, there's no weapon known to man that's greater in a fight against Satan than the word of God. So Jesus models what that looks like. Three times Satan tries, three times Jesus overcomes him, and Satan you know, scurries away for a little while. But then on Good Friday, that was the opportune time to try again, and Jesus, even as he is hanging there suffering and dying, Jesus declares, it is finished. 
the victory over Satan has been won. And even in death, he makes a quick stop down to Satan's domain to tell him that he's toast, that he's finished too, that he has not won. And Jesus rises, he ascends into heaven, and we're waiting on him to come again one day to totally and completely deliver us from evil once and for all. He has the victory. This is our Lord. This is the only one that Satan is afraid of, and he's on our side. How amazing is that? But in the meantime, you may be thinking, that does make me feel better, Pastor. Uh, but what, what exactly does God uh, do for us? You know, here, in the midst of, of, I'm still in this world, still in this life, what does God uh, do for us in response to the temptation and the evil that we face in this life? And I always think of um, Ephesians chapter 6. So Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God. What a great passage that is. Lists off a bunch of things that God gives to us. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny because I feel like a lot of the things on that list are things that uh, pastor types like me are always harping on you guys about. You know, you got to do this and you got to do that. Um, but there's a reason for that. It's because these are the most important things. These are the most precious um, things that God outfits us with in the battle against Satan. And what, what a great shame it would be for Christians to hear the list of things that God gives us on a daily basis and think, nah, I'm good. I think I can take Satan on myself. What a great shame that would be if we took the, this, you know, um, you know, battle pack from God and just put it in the corner of the house and it just collected dust. Do not think that you can battle Satan by yourself. You need God. And so what does God give us then? Here's the good news. It's, it's readily available, all that you need. He gives us a church, right? He gives us the community of believers that we can be a part of, where we can grow together and we can strengthen each other and we can, we can um, commiserate together and also look in hope together to that ultimate fulfillment of that prayer, deliver us from evil. And we, we come together for worship as a church and we hear the word of God. And that's, that's the greatest weapon against Satan. If we can take that word in and use it back against him. And it gives us the Holy Spirit to strengthen our faith through that word in our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And he gives us that you know, remembrance of our baptismal identity, who we are, whose we are, that we are children of God, that we are in his kingdom. He gives us his supper that we're going to have here in just a little while, uh, his body and blood for the, the strengthening of our faith and life. And, and last but not least, he gives us the gift of prayer again like the Lord's Prayer, that we can cry out to God for help whenever we need it. And we need it every day. It is amazing what God does for us. When things get real, when you realize Satan is real and active, go to the God who is real in your life, who is present and who is active. Because God is not going to let Satan win. God is going to help you cling to him. He's going to hold on to you, and he's going to lead you through this life. He's going to deliver you from evil, and he's going to bring you into the everlasting kingdom of joy and peace that he has prepared for you. That is our hope, 
And so, we, but we still are praying. We still are praying every day, lead us down to temptation, deliver us from evil. And I'm gonna add another one. Come soon, Lord Jesus. We pray that. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for being with us in the fight against Satan, that you do not just leave us to our own devices to try to overcome him. We, we never could. We thank you for that, that full armor that you give to us, and we pray that you will help us to put it on and to pray fervently to you. Deliver